I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Double Clutch Podcast presented by Leaning. I'm Mike Miller and today I'm joined as usual by Joe Holbert. Hi there, Mike. Hey, you all right? Yeah, very, very excited to talk some NBA today. Good, good. And we're also joined for the second time by Mo Moonsey. Thank you for having me on, guys. No worries. Glad to have you back. How's it going? Uh, it's all good, thank you. It's all good. Busy, but we're surviving. Busy, busy. In the middle of the NBA schedule, well, I say the middle, we're only 25 games in roughly and we're going to jump straight in with the LA Clippers who are 10th in the Western Conference at the minute and sinking like a well half a ship not even a whole ship there's so many injuries they're 8 and 14 it's an absolute car crash right now Joe what what would you do with this franchise um I'd make a coaching change first of all that would be first on my list but I would fully I would I'm not buying into this full-scale rebuild. I think Blake Griffin is good enough to build a team round, but they've got to kind of put the right players around him. So they're obviously trying to play traditional with Griffin and a center. The problem with the Griffin um DeAndre front court is that they both occupy the same spaces a lot of the time. So, you know, if Griffin was a purely outside big man, that's fine, you know, like an Al Horford potentially but they kind of get in each other's way. And when you've got Gallinari there as well, who's too big to play the three in this league, you've got a big log jam. So they've got to try and clear that out. That's the first thing they have to do. Okay. Mo, given Griffin's history with injuries and the you know he's out again with MCL for two months, would you be comfortable having him as your franchise player? Um, I think... <clears throat> sorry, I think the thing with Blake Griffin for me is as good as Blake Griffin is when you talk about franchise players does he really come to mind like he's a good all-star player but is he a guy who can put his team on his back like you see the way LeBron does with the Cavs he can put the team on his back and take them to a win with Blake Griffin I find for me personally I don't see him as that guy Um, he's done well in recent seasons adding to his game he's added his handle is quite tight now he's trying to expand his shooting range but I just don't feel with or without Blake Griffin that the Clippers are going to compete anytime soon. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair point. For me, I I, I was really excited to see the, the Clippers this season without Chris Paul. I just felt that Tia Dosic would have been interesting. Obviously, he got injured uh, and is expected back later this month. Beverly, I, I love Beverly, but he's obviously done for the year. It just seems like the injury bug has decimated this team again. Um, Blake... You just, I, I want a full season from him. I get so frustrated by him because he, he's such an athletic finisher still, even though he's not the Blake of old. The fact he can step out and hit a three now relatively consistently is a big plus for me. But I just look at this roster now and I just think, wow, this, this could have been so good and they've just been decimated completely. I agree with Joe about this team needs a coaching change. Um, in terms of getting rid of that logjam in the front court, would you get rid of DJ Joe? Yeah, I think he's got to go at this point. The problem that they have with him is, first of all, he is he can be a valuable offensive player, but the problem with him as an offensive player is he needs very specific sets to his skill. He's not a guy who, who for example, can kind of, you know, he's not. A, I don't think he's a versatile contributor. He's got one or two moves, and you kind of have to do them over and over again. 
So it was great when Paul was the franchise player because he could run a lot of pick and rolls. They don't really have anyone who can do that now, especially with Teodosic's injury. If you're running Austin Rivers, DeAndre Jordan pick and rolls, um, that's probably not going to end very well, to be honest with you. And I I think they're um I think people undervalue DeAndre Jordan, but I just don't buy his fit in this team when I think their best player is Griffin and it's kind of hard to build an offense around that. No, that's a fair point. What what do you think, Mo? Um well, DeAndre's coming to the final year of his contract next season, which he can opt out of. It's I think 24 million. Um and given that he didn't really want to sign with the Clippers in the first place, remember the whole instant of um him signing with the Mavs and then changing his mind and coming to the Clippers. I think it's a sure bet that he's going to walk as a free agent. Now, it's up to the Clippers to get some value for him before that happens because it's all well and good saying that they, they like DeAndre and they want to keep him in the team, etc., etc. But it's it's going to be a big loss when he just walks for nothing. Um, and one, I was just on Yahoo Sports. I read a report just now that a number of teams are interested in him. Um, but the Clippers' asking price from the Bucks is Henson, Brogdon, and Middleton in exchange Ooh. for DeAndre. Uh, now, I do not see that happening at all. No, not um, for an expiring. But with the Bucks gaining Bledsoe to fill that point guard spot, um, I guess that could make them a little bit more, a little bit more likely to move Brogdon. So possibly two of the three could get moved, and I think that would be kind of a step in the right direction for a Clippers franchise that has seemed doomed for as long as I can remember. See, if, if I'm DJ, I, I'd walk this summer because it just oh. seems to be a mess. Well, the thing I, is, sorry, Mike, um, he, he never wanted to stay, I think. No, he, he, he got talked into mind... it when they... Sorry. Yeah, go for it, um, go for it, yeah, go for he, it. He had his mind made up. Um, I spoke to a source close to DeAndre um, at the start of the season before he became a free agent last time. And from then, he had his mind made up that he was going back to Dallas because um, that's where he feels most comfortable. Um, and then it was just that one night he got uh, Chris Paul, JJ Redick, Paul Pierce, Doc Rivers, Blake. They all came to his house and they talked him into staying. Um, and I mean, you're talking a couple of Hall of Fame caliber guys telling you that this is the best move of your career. You're kind of going to be susceptible to listen to them. But now when he wants to walk, what can the Clippers possibly say to entice him to stay yep true and the, the difficulty and what would put me off if I was the Bucks or one of the other teams rumoured to be interested is so he's just picked up a, a new agent thanks to uh, that that was breaking today Woj as typical um, so he's picked up a new agent which to me suggests that he's definitely opting out and I wasn't even sure you know 10 minutes before I read that I wasn't sure if he would opt out given the the market this summer for bigs um but if he is opting out, I can't see him staying with the Clips at all. And it it would worry me, particularly a team like the Bucks, if I was to invest that many players. That's too high an asking price for me. Um, well, I think the thing with hiring an agent, I think it kind of gives an indication to teams who are interested in trading for him that they will have some sort of commitment for the long term if they do go ahead and trade for him. That's, that's what the agent would be there to ensure. Because before this, he didn't have an agent. Um, he was operating himself. So I think in terms of hiring an agent at this particular moment rather than later on closer to the free agency period, um, I think he would be more than happy to be traded out of LA right now. 
Oh yeah, I just I I don't dispute he'd be happy to be traded. I just it would put the it would give me a, a bit of concern though if I'm if I'm the receiving team and I'm giving up because the last deal he struck, he had an agent then. He sh- sacked him shortly afterwards. To to me, I'm just like, okay, he's obviously going to look for a new deal. If we're not Dallas, although why you'd want to go to Dallas now, I have no idea. Other than well, okay, they've got some potential future in in Dennis Smith Jr. Um, but in terms of other teams, then because the the Cavs, the Raptors, the Wizards, and the Bulls have all been mooted as being interested in DJ, uh, is there any way you'd like to see him go, Joe? I'd like to see him in Washington, um, but the only problem is this is pure me being a fan CGM because when you're paying Wall um, Porter now, they're paying Ottawa, aren't they? And Beal, I mean, he is the missing piece, but whether it's realistic financially for that to happen is another thing. That would be my dream scenario because I think he's actually the kind of piece that can put them over the edge. Because uh, certainly to maybe make the NBA Finals, I don't think they could push uh, Golden State or Houston. But I kind of what he would allow him to do is go small all the time, which is something Scott Brooks isn't comfortable doing with Marchand Gortat at centre. Other than that, though, I mean, he's been linked with Minnesota as well. I don't want him. I don't I don't want two um, seven-footers in the front court in this era of basketball. So, yeah, the Wizards are the obvious one. I, a lot of people like his fit with the Bucks. I personally don't. I think they need outside shooting. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I look at that Bucks team and I think the addition of DJ is going to clog the lane, which will make it more difficult for Antetokounmpo to operate. And until he gets an outside shot, all his buckets are going to be within six feet of the hoop. Um, anywhere you'd like to see him go, Mo? Um, like, like Joe said, purely from a fantasy GM point of view, uh, Chris Paul's contract's up with the Rockets in the summer. Everyone's few people have been talking about him joining the banana boat team, as they call it. Um, but I think that DeAndre would be a massive upgrade over Clint Capella for the Rockets. I'm not taking anything wow. away from Clint, but I just think with Harden and DeAndre running a pick and roll, it's going to end up in a Harden bucket or a dunk for DeAndre every single time down the floor. Yeah, no, that's a. <laughs> I hadn't thought of the Rockets. That would be a nice move. And it's close to Dallas as well. Yeah, true. Getting back in Texas. Any potential that uh, the Cavs upgrade on Tristan Thompson and try and uh, get him even if it's only a rental? Um, I think, well, the thought process for the Cavs would have to be, would this entice LeBron to stay with us beyond this season? Um, To say stick with us because we've got DeAndre Jordan, I'm not too sure if that's as convincing as perhaps other players they could trade for. Um, so I'm not too sure on the Cavs putting the trigger on that one. See, a name that hasn't been linked, and I don't know whether they would do it in their current rebuild, but when you look at what um, Sean Marks is doing in Brooklyn, I think someone like DeAndre Jordan or maybe a short-term Max is probably the kind of piece they're looking for. I know they drafted Jarrett Allen this year in the first round, but when a guy like DeAndre Jordan becomes available... I think you certainly have a look at him. They need something in the front court. So that's kind of my wildcard option. But I think everyone who is pursuing him knows it's only a rental. Because I, I think even, let's say he did go to Washington and he loved it, he'd still opt out anyway because you, you want a long-term contract. You you don't want to, players don't want to go year to year, especially guys in their prime. Because what if you get an injury and you're on a one-year contract? There's no insurance there. Yeah, and he's, what, 88 born, so he's 29? 
Is that right? My math's good there? Yeah. So he's, he's, get, he's getting to that point in his career now where a big man who's reliant on athletic prowess alone is probably going to start seeing some uh, regression of some sort. He'll be he'll be thirty in the summer as well, so he'll be, you know, he'll be. If you're offering him a three or four year deal, you're probably committing over twenty twenty five million to a guy who's going to be mm-hmm. thirty four in a couple of years. And as you said, um, I don't want to call him unskilled because that's disrespectful, but a guy who is reliant on power. Um, there's no jump. Put it this way: you can't see him ever adapting his game at this point. You know, he's not a guy who's going to sort of develop a mid range shot to survive in the league he is what he is at this point yeah i think that's i think that's correct um how long before doc rivers then goes then we reckon he sees the end of the season out or is he gone before christmas let's, let's get your takes see i thought he'd be the first to go i was very surprised that they let um fizzdale go from memphis um my money was on doc to be first so i think any time before all-star break okay joe you are obviously a a massive Doc Rivers fan <laughs> from our previous pods. When do you think he's gone? Uh, I think he will last the season. I just can't see someone like Steve Ballmer just pulling the trigger. Um, it was also me, Mike Woodson, would get the job, which is probably somehow even worse. There's just, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think, I mean, the question I'd have more around Doc Rivers would would he get another head coaching job? Because I know he's probably better than a couple, but has he shown enough of the Clippers for someone to say, okay, yeah, you're our guy now? Uh, I think the thing with Doc Rivers is um, he works very well with established players, i.e. veterans like you saw in Boston. Um, I think if he was coaching the Thunder this season, they might be playing a lot better than they are. Um, But having said that, he left Boston because he said he wanted to coach a contending team. Um, Clippers clearly aren't a contending team and I don't think any contending teams are going to trust him now after the mess he's made in LA. Well, well no, and you, and you go back to that um, series a few years ago against the Rockets, that was one of the biggest bottles probably in NBA history. Mm. I, st- I still can't believe that when I think about it sometimes and I think that was a team that could have made some bigger noise in the postseason and they got done by Josh Smith. <laughs> yeah they, they certainly never met their potential I, I can't see him ever getting a GM role ever again um, uh, certainly the, the way he carried coming out of Boston where he was basically able to demand where and what he got I he, he has none of that pull anymore in my mind um, and, and the Clippers gave up their picks to get him <laughs> he was traded from Boston they it's, actually gave up a first round pick the, the Clippers curse lives on. See, I, I, um, I remember when he came to the Clippers at the time, if you ask people to rank their coaches, he was second most of the time. Like people yeah. saw him as one of the truly great coaches. It's just amazing how his reputation has taken a nosedive in the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, and on that note, we'll switch from a coach whose reputation has taken a nosedive to one who's very dear to my heart in Minnesota, Tom Thibodeau. I know that you were... Uh, Keen to discuss this team, Joe, as a, as a Wolves fan. What is going on in Minnesota? I mean, a lot of people are probably going to say, oh, why are you moaning? Because we're 14 and 10. Um, we're fifth seed. That's exactly what I'm going to say. <laughs> we're 14 and 10. <laughs> but a lot of the, the uh, concerns people had um, about him are kind of, if you watch them in depth, you see them. So we had two injuries last week. 
and uh, he played a seven-man rotation in those couple of games. Tyus Jones one night played 43 minutes. And what's ha- well, the problem we're having is for the first three quarters, his systems are great. Uh, we're fifth in offensive efficiency. The defense is, I'm not going to lie, it's not good enough, but you can't be great at both ends. You've got a re- Most NBA teams are good at one, not so good at the other. That's what we are right now. But the problem we're having in the fourth quarter is because they're so run down in those, um, certainly in the first half, that we just fall apart. I think in net rating in the first three quarters, we're in the top 10. We go down to 25th in the fourth quarter. And he, I don't buy into this. He runs the players into the ground. But this is, I'm not sure this is sustainable. There's been too many narrow wins and we've had to kind of rely on individuals to get us over the line. So, so they're fifth in offensive rating, 29th in defensive rating. So that's exactly what you're talking about. They're, they're, they're terrible on defense, which is an absolute shock for anyone who's followed Tibbs's career and you know, a guy who's founded his, his entire head coach tenure upon his defensive efficiency as a coordinator with the Celtics and, and going back to various other teams before that. Mo, is, is, he, is there something about the way he's coaching that he hasn't evolved or why is it that this defense has dropped so much? Um, I couldn't put one particular reason on it. I think on some nights it's down to the individual players. You see them not performing to their full potential. I think oftentimes I watch uh, Timberwolves games and as much as I love Carnty Towns, there'll be certain possessions on defense where I feel he could be a lot better. Um, and like Joe mentioned, the rotations, I think if you're looking at his top five guys are all averaging over 30 minutes a night. Um, then you have a bunch of guys averaging 17, 15, and then after that, it kind of drops off. Um, most coaches save going that shallow into their rotation until the playoffs. Um, touching back on Doc Rivers, um, just quickly, is the I think one of the reasons he had such a good reputation coming out of Boston is that he had Tibbs doing most of the defensive work for him with that team. Um, So I think the balance that Rivers and Thibodeau had between balancing the defense and the minutes and et cetera, the things that Tibbs kind of goes hard on with Doc's experience, et cetera, worked as a really good match. Um, But in terms of the Timberwolves this season, I think it's down on defense. I think it's got to be down to the players um, effort levels and again that goes back it's all it's all a vicious cycle because that goes to them being tired in the games from playing excessive minutes on a nightly basis so I think it's kind of a catch-22 it's a difficult question to answer exactly why I asked it <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned there about Cat being a bit lax at times on, on defence do you think these comparisons that I've seen a few of them now that uh, he's a rich man's Innes Cantor have <laughs> any weight to them whatsoever that's an open question <laughs> Throw it, throw it, throw it back at me. Um, I, I, I think that's a huge compliment to Ennis Cantor. <laughs> Joe. Uh, yeah, I mean the the problems with him defensively. I I like what Mo said earlier about when you watch him on defense, you think he should be better, and that's what's so frustrating. He's got the body frame. He actually moves pretty quickly. I know when he's on offense, he kind of slows things down, but it, uh, when he the problem we have is he rotates quickly, but 90% of the time it's the wrong rotation. There was one play yesterday where they ran a flare and DeAndre Jordan came off of it. And for some reason, 
Cat thought, right, I'm going to leave the guy with the highest field goal percentage in NBA history underneath the basket. And he rotated out to, I think it was Montrez Harrell at mid-range. So basically, Austin Rivers just chucked it into the paint for the... He was wide open and Gibson gave him a big earful. And that's the frustrating thing with Towns. And that's why I really worry about the defense. Because if they were little physical things, like you watch some guys who come into the league. I saw this a lot with Paul Zingas actually in his rookie year, where he just wasn't big enough or he was intimidated. With Cat, it's the split second decisions that they're usually the wrong ones. So I actually do kind of buy into that canter comp for now. I think ultimately he will be fine, but he needs more coaching than I think any defensive player in the league right now. See, see, for me, I, I'm not worried yet. I know the, the defensive rating is, is terrible. Uh, for me, it's just a case of letting these guys make mistakes and realise that they need to play defence in order to win. Because let's face it, as much as they've brought in guys like Teague, Butler and Gibson. This this team it is Cat and Wiggins. That's their future, and you're expecting them to pick up most of the the load going forwards as those other three guys continue to to get older and and regress. Um, and for me, it just get get them out there, get them making the mistakes because the only way they're going to get a better feel and and develop that sort of anticipatory. Uh, sort of mentality that you need on defense is by making these mistakes and being out there on the floor. So I, I think this year they're going to struggle defensively. But you wait next year; they're already better than they were last year. And next year their defense will improve as well. So I'm I'm not worried yet. Fifth in the Western Conference is is just holy crap. That's amazing for the Timberwolves. When was the last time they were fifth in anything? It's just... <laughs> well, we've been fifth in our division for a couple of years. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> and I think with them being fifth. I don't see the Nuggets staying in fourth for that much longer. I think with the Millsap injury, it won't be long before the Timberwolves could overtake the Nuggets as well. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm not, I'm not worried at this point either. I just, I just think it's, it's just development, and these guys, when they get it, they'll get it. And half of me, like, if I was going to speculate, half of me is going to be like, I reckon Tibbs is the kind of guy who's like, so you, you think you can win without playing defense? Well, we'll give you this season, and then next season, I'm going to whoop you all into shape <laughs> and get you playing. I mean, obviously, the concerns are always there that if he's still getting guys playing thirty minutes all night every night in a in an opening week game, then you're going to get the wear and tear that we saw on players like Deng. Um, Do you but I, yeah, well, yeah, you could blame him for deep. Well, Can't him, blame him for deep. No, I know, but... I know, D-Rose, Yeah, <laughs> but but you log the heavy minutes, you increase your chance of injury. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyone got anything else they want to say on the Timberwolves? Have we covered it for you, Joe? Yeah, I just want to profess my love for Taj Gibson. He's one of the best signings we've ever made. He's great. Taj is great. I think he's an excellent player. Um, let's go east then, to the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, who are 14-8, and eight, the Detroit Pistons. Ninth in offensive rating, 12th in defensive rating. Um... Is Detroit basketball back? I think it's... Um, I, I'm not convinced by their ceiling, but they're at least a good team now. They were really ordinary last year. Um, they added shooting, and actually the best thing for this season is forget all the the bench players. Andre Drummond has finally started using his frame to his advantage. Because you used to watch him last year, and this is a guy who should be a beast rolling to the basket, and he never quite used it enough. He just kind of... 
I don't think it was about effort. I just wasn't. I wasn't convinced he was sure in himself at times. But he's been. He's going to be an all star this year without a doubt. Um, and I think he is. I when I ranked my centers in the summit, I didn't have him in the top ten, and he's kind of shut me up now because he has shot right up those rankings. Yeah, I I think he is. He's in, impressed me this year. But I, I I looked at his stats and he's. He's not doing as well as he was doing two years ago in in most categories. Um, I mean, his usage rate has dropped, so maybe there's a case of he's got less wear and tear. He's not got the pressure on him of being the go-to guy because of the guys they've put around him. Um, I'm particularly impressed with Tobias Harris. I think he is just establishing himself as a as a great player. And at times, I look at him and I think this guy could be an all-star, and that's probably a stretch. But I just the, He's athletic. Some of the finishes he has are just incredible, and he plays with range. And he's he can when he gets hot, he really gets hot. Mo, what what's impressed you about these Pistons? Um, well, the first thing I have to say about the Pistons is um, the big difference for me is the ability to use Andre Drummond in the fourth quarter. He's really stepped up his free throw shooting. I think it's almost twenty percent or around about twenty percent higher than it was last year. Um. So that allows them to use Andre in the fourth quarter. Um, obviously, you guys know me. I'm a Boston guy, so I think the addition of Avery Bradley was great was for waiting. their team. I was waiting for that. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I knew it was it's coming just at a some matter point. of time. It's a loaded question there. <laughs> um, but I think the, the credit has to go to Stan Van Gundy. I think he's done an excellent job. Um, it's taken a while of him being there to get this team playing kind of more in the style that he wants them to play in. But I think it's starting to take shape now and you can see how good it's going. Yeah, I, I think there's a good spread of, of scoring amongst that team. They've got they've got more options that they seem to be able to use this year instead of trying to go through Drummond all the time. Um, what impressed me about Drummond at the minute is that he's got a defensive rating of 99, which is just, just nuts for me. Uh, but his defensive box plus minus, which is really just off-the-wall analytics now, um, is up at 5.6, which is ridiculously high at value over replacement sort of stat. His previous best was 2.9. If you think of how, how good he has been defensively in previous years, his, that's just ridiculous. Um, where do you see these guys finishing? Do you think they can hold this up and be a top four seed? Um, I think the Wizards are going to get their act together. Uh, I know they've not been great so far, but I just think when you've got Wallbill and Porter, you've got to think they're going to finish above them. I've I've got them at five right now. I can't see the Bucks or the Sixers taking them over, just because I think there's too many internal issues on both those teams. Uh, Sixers are too young, and the Bucks probably have the worst coach in the league. Um, but the Pistons, I think they're going to be a team that we all kind of hype throughout the season, say, so, oh, they're good. I, I know maybe it sounds maybe it's a bit arrogant of me, but I just can't see them even winning in the first round in the postseason. I'm not sure there's a high enough ceiling on this team. I think their ceiling is like 49 wins, which is fine. You know, not every team has to be a contender. But if we're talking about this team in the postseason, I'm just I don't see quite enough there. If if the standings stay as they are, so it's four or five, then I'm 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 keen to see the Philly. <laughs> Pistons uh, rivalry developed. I, I don't know if you guys caught the Embiid comments about uh, no disrespect to Andre Drummond, but he can't shoot. Um, and then last night they they lost to Philly. Uh, Embiid had twenty five and ten. 
Drummond had 14 and 11. I mean, is there any scope of this being just even if it's a minor ripple of a of a rivalry? Could we could we even go that far? Is it just Embiid, you know, popping shots at everyone like he's done all season to keep us entertained? I think it could be if those two match up in the playoffs, going head to head every time down. I think it would be great because you saw not only did he say he can't shoot, he said that Andre Drummond can't play defense, um, and Andre said we'll see when we play or something of that nature. Um, and then he ended up getting him ejected from the game uh, with his sixth foul. So I think it's in, entertainment-wise, it's great. I think talent-wise, a healthy Embiid is way more talented than Andre Drummond. Um, but it would definitely be a fun matchup. This is it's kind of a weird, um, if they do meet, it's a weird sort of convergence of the old-style big man back to the basket limited in his in his range and the new guy who new style big man who can step outside hit the three he's got fantastic footwork it's just I, I think that's going to be an interesting contrast to see I'd love to see it in a series to be honest yeah I enjoyed Drummond's shot back at Embiid though he said try playing um try playing back to backs before firing shots at people which I enjoyed because yeah. I'm quite I'm quite <laughs> cynical so I enjoy I enjoyed that <laughs> That is a good comeback. Um, and if you want to read a bit more on the Pistons, our newest addition to the team, Jordan Rowe, recently wrote, Firing on all Pistons, Detroit basketball is back. Make sure you check it out on doubleclutch.uk, along with loads of other decent articles from people like Sean Guest has put one up recently. Josh Coyne's got one out. So make sure you check them out. Um, let's move over to the Pelicans, 7th in the Western Conference, 12 and 11. Anthony Davis. So once again, Woj, I think, has reported that AD had his MRI come back and his groin injury is not as severe. It's come back negative. Um, how long before, because this really upsets me with AD, how long before we assign him to the long list of players whose careers have been ruined by injuries like Penny, Grant Hill, T-Mac, D-Rose, that kind of group of guys? Um, I don't think he's quite there yet because uh, the injuries he's certainly had in the last... Certainly in the last year have been sort of minor day-to-day ones. But obviously, as you get older, those build up. But I really hope he's not because the Pelicans are my league pass team this year. I've watched every game they've played. And that that front court, I've never seen anything as entertaining. Because it's so funny as well because they're so so physical. Whenever Cousins beats someone, he just like shouts in their face. It's, It's just great to watch. They they are a good team. I I like I said before on this pod, if they are healthy and they're in their prime, this is this is in my opinion the best big man pairing of all time. I I can't think of any two dominant players like it. My only concern is is just his fragility. Like honestly, I I am tempted to stop calling him AD and start just calling him A and E because it's just constantly <laughs> something constantly wrong with him, Mo. What's wrong with AD? Um, I think one thing, because it seems like it's been ages he's been in the league. He's only 24. Um, he's been with the Pelicans his whole career. I think that it took him a while to get used to the physicality of the NBA because he had a ridiculous growth spurt when he was 16 where he went from being a point guard to being a center. That's what's attributed him to like the handles and shooting range that he has, which has obviously helped him in that way. But having gone through a rapid period of growth 
in just a space of like a few months. Um, does plus the NBA does take a while to get used to um, in terms of physicality. He came into the league um, and right away he was putting in a lot of work. He was carrying quite a heavy offensive load. Um, and then again, it could go down to the way that the Pelicans use them or even the Pelicans medical stuff because um, lots of players talk about when they leave a certain team and go to a different team, uh, their bodies improve a lot. I remember Shaquille O'Neal saying um, that once he'd got to Phoenix, he'd wished he'd been in Phoenix years and years earlier because of the medical staff being so good. They had him back playing and feeling better than he had in years. So basically... If, if Ross, our resident Suns fan, is listening, he's now going to be really excited at the potential. He's going to take that as a hint that uh, AB <laughs> might go to Phoenix. Um, he won't. But on that note, obviously, DMC's contract is up at the end of the year. He's gone. So would you, at this point, if you can re-sign DMC, would you consider moving on from AD? DeMarcus is going. You think he's... Okay, you think he's you think he's going, but if he stayed, if you could re-sign him, if I hypothetically speaking, if hypothetically I could speaking. re-sign Demarcus Cousins, um, then it goes down to looking at what you could get for Anthony Davis in a trade. Um, <clears throat> I don't I don't think you could ever come out looking good with trading no. away Anthony Davis. That's the thing; they already struggle for attendances. That's the one thing about watching their games: the place is half empty all the time. And if if they trade Anthony Davis, that team would be dead. Like I genuinely think they're a relocation candidate if they traded Davis. Because well, they're dead half the season anyway when he's out injured. Surely. Yeah, I mean there there is that, but are you even if you got like three players, they're not they're not even going to add up to be as good as Davis. He's a top ten player. You, he, I mean, he is borderline, maybe not top five, sort of top seven or eight. He's he's that good. And I actually, I don't agree. I think Cousins is going to stay. I think there's a clear chemistry there. And I think he likes, one of the underrated things about the Rondo signing, and this is, um, this is not my... Um, this is not my thought, by the way. I've stolen this from someone on Twitter. But all, a, lot of, a lot of the moves that Cousins, um, that the Pelicans have made, have been to make Cousins feel listened to. So Tony Allen and Rajon Rondo were two guys Cousins wanted. Now, I do question their fit with this team, but at minimum, he's been listened to in a way he never was in Sacramento. And I think, I just, I can't see him moving on. He's not going to play with a guy as good as Davis unless he, unless there's some, you know, massive sort of big three to Miami thing again. I, I think he likes what he's doing. I think they're surrounding him with players who can better him. And I think they've got something that can sort of revitalize this city as a basketball city. Okay. Okay. So you've got AD who is top seven or eight. You've got DeMarcus Cousin who is close to top 10, probably definitely within top 15. How How is this team only 12 and 11 and seventh? What's it, what have they got to do? We, you just listed their two best players, but <clears throat> if you ask the average fan who plays for the Pelicans, um, do you know what I mean? I think they, they lack the depth in their squad. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the big problem they had is um, when they got Danny Ferry over a couple of summers ago, they went bit... They did what Portland did. Sorry, Mike. But they... Um, 
they went big on average free agents expecting a big cap <laughs> jump. So they're paying Etuan more. I can't, I'm just going to look the figures up because these are bad contracts. Um, Solomon Hill got four year, 48 million. And those contracts really hurt this team. And that's why that they've kind of, they've really gone through sort of the bargain bin, haven't they? Yeah, they've walked into Tesco at five to eleven before it shuts, and they've <laughs> and they've picked up all the reduced items. They've got all the yellow stickers. Exactly, that's what they've done. Yeah, they've got like um, like Dante Cunningham. He was a free agent for four months. No one wanted him, and they went, "Yeah, we'll have him." And he plays like twenty five minutes a night. So th- this Cousins Davis thing, although I do think they can get make the playoffs now. If Cousins is committed to this, he is committing to a long-term project because it takes time to build a good bench. If you look at um, sort of the great Spurs team, a lot of the guys who come onto their bench take a while to develop. So I remember when they they got Aaron Baines in, he didn't play for ages. I remember they just used to bring him on to hack people. But then he kind of... What I'm saying is the, the Pelicans need to kind of have a culture change and they need to really use their D-League and find these gems. But that takes time and... The the one reason I could see Cousins leaving is he might think, well, I could go to another squad and win a lot quicker than I'm going to here. But I think this situation is such a high ceiling for him and Davis. I I, I mean, two guys who are putting up 25 and then between them are averaging 8 and 10 rebounds as well. It's just... It's just massive, and you can't forget as well. They've got guys like Drew Holiday, who's who's not a scrub by any stretch. Who, you know, that that's three decent guys, two two top fifteens, and a decent guy. I, but I just can't see them, like you say, I can't see them adding anything else really, unless they start developing it themselves. Um, I still don't think uh, that the coaching is right at all. I know we went last year, all the way through last year, talking about how Elvin Gentry was probably on the hot seat. I, I still don't think he's the right guy for this for this this pairing. I just don't think it's his style of play. Um, Mo, you mentioned you thought DMC was gone. Any, any thoughts on where you think he'll go to? I think the thing with DeMarcus is, yeah, what they're building in the New Orleans is promising, pairing him with Davis, but realistically how many years will it be until they're contending for a title he spent the whole of his career in sacramento so far with the promise of yeah we're rebuilding we're building we're building i think from what i've heard from people close to demarcus is that he wants to compete for a championship so money wouldn't be his priority his his main focus now is on winning a ring um so he'll weigh up his options in free agency depending on whichever teams have cap space, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think Joe mentioned earlier in the podcast that he'd like to see DeAndre at Washington. I think if the Wizards could somehow maneuver their cap space to sign to Marcus uh, to go with Beal and Wall, I think that would be a great fit. Another Kentucky pairing. Well, yeah, that's well, that's... That has been mooted before when he was on the way out of Sacramento that he could end up with Wall. This is that that would be a really interesting fit. But I, I mean, he's obviously an upgrade over Gortat. There's, there's no doubts about that. That and that would be like a legitimate three All Star team. So that 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 is that's well top two seed surely in the East. And if LeBron goes as well, it's guaranteed a top two. I know you're going to make a Celtics comment. Here. <laughs> I don't even need to say it. I don't even need to say it, Mike. 
Hercules. But that, but that's the thing. That are there many teams with? I know you can maneuver cap room, but are there many teams he would go to? Uh, that sort of where he'd be the final piece and they could afford him. So you mentioned Washington. I could see Toronto because Lowry took a he took a lot less money than he should have. Um, that's kind of the only two places off the top of my head. It it would have to be for me a scenario where it is like that Miami Big Three where he you know he speaks to a couple of other guys and they all go and join each other. Do you, do you think, like we mentioned the Bucks earlier as a landing spot for DeAndre? And one of the reservations I had about that was the fact that DeAndre has no ability to stretch the floor. Well, DMC has exactly that. His, his asking price is going to be higher than DeAndre, but I, I would be tempted to give up if I knew that I could keep him and retain him. I'd be, and you know, likelihood they won't get him in free agency. There'll be bigger players in the market, but Brogdon, uh, Middleton and who was the other one you mentioned earlier? Henson. Henson. Um, uh, see, I still don't want to get rid of Middleton. I like Middleton too much. I'd want to throw picks in there instead. If, if I'm, I'm the not. if I'm the Bucks, I I would let Thon Maker um, keep developing and have him penciled in as my long term five. I think KG worked out with him last week and he said that he's got the potential to be. Well, I can't remember the exact quote. Um, MVP is yeah, what he said he had the potential to be um, uh, which I thought was a bit of a stretch I don't um, see that happening but I do see I think last year in the playoffs um, the series against the Raptors he played really well and I think he's still learning a lot um, he's still they kind of brought him in as a project he's only 20 years old um, I think down the line he can be a really effective big man for the box especially with Yanis because the length of those two alone uh, would be terrifying for any other teams that come up against them. I, I like him too. He's got to put some meat on though, because the the amount of times I just see him just get pushed out of the way, and, and I don't know, like you say, he's he's young, so that is going to develop. But I just I don't know. I I see I see him go up against some of the bigger guys. I think it was actually Drummond, uh, and Drummond just owned him all night. Just just moved him about wherever he wanted and. Yeah, that well, it doesn't really matter at this stage because they're not a championship contender. They're still on their 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 uptick. So, yeah, I like Maker. I just he's definitely not an MVP in my book, uh, and I just want to see him develop physically over the next couple of years and and start being able to to bang with those bigger bodies. Um, Mo at Hoops Genius. Yeah, uh, you did a see. This is what I knew you were going to mention it earlier. The uh, you did a, an Embiid injury thing. Can you do one for AD, please? Because I really want. I, I I love the idea that he grew too quickly and it has, right. his body hasn't caught up with him. So sort us out on that. All right, especially for um, you, Mike. I've got you. <laughs> uh, we ran a competition last episode, which was two weeks ago. Uh, favorite NBA moment uh, of the season so far. The winner is Simon Noble, whose favorite moment was uh, Frankie. I can't even say it. I can never say it. Attila <laughs> Kina, uh stepping up to LeBron James. Um, what did you guys think of that moment where he, he he basically squared up to the king? First of all, I I object to calling another man the king, even if he calls himself <laughs> the king, unless he's actually in the royal family. Um, I thought it was a weak move by LeBron to kind of stand over a rookie who's picking up the ball off the floor. I think that was very weak. Um, and I, yeah, I've got a lot of respect for the kid. I think 
in that situation, it's, he didn't overreact and he didn't underreact. So I think he played it really well. Yeah, I lost a lot of respect for LeBron in that whole um, interaction. I thought it was quite embarrassing. You know, he's he's not so he, for me. He shouldn't be commenting on other teams um, on other teams' drafts. I think I said it on the last pod, but I I thought it was a great moment. I also, but Cantor has taken it a bit too far now. He's like, I think I think we're bored of it, and but Cantor keeps kind of pushing it, which is a bit annoying. Yeah, uh, I I love the actual moment. Um, and I love the fact that he sort of didn't back down. And it, to me, it was a, it was quite poignant in the sense that I read way too much into it. And I was like, well, you know, LeBron's supposed to be this this larger than life dominant guy in the league, and here's here's the rookie who's sort of just giving us a glimpse of his mortality. Not in that he can take it away from him, but it's just like you're in your time now. My time's coming. I read way too much into this moment, but yeah, uh, Simon Noble, uh, congratulations. Drop us an email with your uh, address and we'll get some stuff sent out to you, uh, courtesy of Dwayne Wade and Leaning. Um, that's it from us this week. Make sure you follow us on uh, all the social media sites. We are at Double Clutch UK. If you're on Hardwood Ventures at all, taking a look around for some gear before Christmas, use the code MWDC8834. That's, uh, can anyone do the phonetic alphabet? Uh, Mike, Whiskey, Delta, charlie 8834 nailed that didn't i um and then thanks to our presenting sponsors leaning you go go and check out their gear at www.shop-leaning.com anyone got anything you want to say before we disappear for the night um you guys can catch me at the hoop genius on twitter at hoop genius on anything else the video that mike mentioned earlier about joel Embiid is on youtube if you search um, hoop genius Embiid, it will come up um thanks for having me on the show guys no worries, man. We'll get you back on soon. Uh, Joe, anything you want to add? No, all good. No, all good. What's your at? You're at Joe Holbert. Holbert. Nice and easy. Holbert Joe. Holbert Joe. Yeah. There you go. Um, awesome. We'll catch you next time, but thank you very much for listening. <laughs>